You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Foundation Radio is now an exclusive brand partner with WWEShop.com. Pick up all your favorite new merchandise from Roman Reigns. Acknowledge me. Cody Rhodes. I have to finish the story. LA Knight. Let me talk to you. And more using our exclusive link in the show notes. Click below and show your support today for your favorite WWE superstar at WWEShop.com. Yeah! Foundation Radio is brought to you today by the 10th Ward Barbershop, a full-service barbershop offering high-quality haircuts, beard trims, and hot shaves. 10th Ward Barbershop proudly serves the historic Lawrenceville, 10th Ward, and surrounding Pittsburgh areas. I frequent the 10th Ward Barbershop when I swing through the area, and I love Ryan Kane's laser-sharp precision on both my hair and my beard. But you don't have to take my word for it. WWE superstars Finn Balor and Corey Graves frequent 10th Ward Barbershop for their hair and beard needs. The team at 10th Ward accepts walk-ins, and they're fully staffed, but schedules fill up quickly. So the best way to see them is to make an appointment at 10thwardbarbershop.com. That's 10thwardbarbershop.com. And while you're there, make sure you stop and pick up some Silk Panther hair products to keep that hair looking fresh. Schedule your appointment today to see Kane, Jordan, and the rest of the team at 10th Ward Barbershop, and we thank them for sponsoring the program. Welcome, everybody, to Foundation Radio. My name is Adam Bernard. Thank you again so much for joining me today for episode 100 of this program. I'm so excited to give you this episode, and I couldn't think of a better way to do episode 100 than to bring my friend Mega Ran on the show here today. Sir, how are you? Thank you so much for joining me on the program. It's a pleasure to have you. Man, thank you. It's awesome to be here, Adam. I didn't know I, I get this esteemed honor of being <laughs> guest 100. You like, do. What? You do, sir. That's yes. pretty cool. Yes, thank you. I appreciate it. It's a, it's an honor. It's a, it's great to have you here as a fellow uh, Philadelphian. So first things first, we always have to say, as we say in Philadelphia, even when we're at church, we say go birds. Uh, so I go wanted birds. to give you a good, a good healthy go birds to you, sir. Uh, I wanted to check in and see how you're feeling after that ridiculous, horrific game from the other night. Uh, I wanted to see if you wanted to, if you were ready to talk about it. I know it's a little it's a little early. Uh, the wounds are still fresh. So, you know what's um interesting because um i have an i have a two-year-old and so mm. his bedtime is usually at the end of monday night games <laughs> so i don't get to tend to see the end of the game so i'm always like a little upset or i'll let him if it's an eagles game i'll let him stay up a little later to watch it right this one i was like we're going to bed <laughs> i'm going to bed too like we're all going to bed it was I, I yeah once yeah i was like we're still in single digits. Yeah, we're going to bed. It's done. Yeah, we're all we're all done here. Yeah, I, I you know it's it's interesting. We had the same reaction when the Phillies uh, were in the. I guess it was in the playoffs, or they were in the playoff contention, or whatever it was. And I can't remember what game it was. We usually go over to the neighbor's house, and they have a big projector in the backyard. It's a whole thing, and kids will stay up late for it. And I was like, "No, nah, guys, we're going to bed. I don't want you to watch this atrocious travesty <laughs> here because it, like, I don't want you to have this memory etched into your head." You know. 
So, I mean, it's look, they always say it's next year, but we're not going to have Jason Kelsey next year. Apparently that's the rumor and innuendo going around now that he's going to retire. So uh, hopefully, hopefully things will, will even out. Maybe Sirianni will stop eating those plant-based cheesesteaks and hopefully coach. But in any event, we're here to talk <laughs> wrestling. We're here to talk music, sir. Uh, I wanted to know, again, a fellow Philadelphian, I saw that you were a special ed teacher um, at the beginning of your yes. teaching career. Uh, something that's close to my heart. One of my children is on the autism spectrum. So I wanted to talk to you about that. What was what made you want to go into special education? Man, I taught at a, um, um, I guess called an alternative school outside of Philadelphia in Langhorn um, for a long time. What was the name of the school? And, uh, That's where I'm from, Bucks County. Oh, uh, Woods Services. Really? You taught at Woods Services? I am. Yes, yeah. I'm very familiar. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I used to catch the bus up there before I had a car. And um, man, it was something. But like that was, you were dealing with like varying levels of all types of things. So like I'd have a class of six. Mm. But, you know, that was the most challenging six students you'd ever see. Right. Um, but I really loved it, you know, like getting to know these children and um, and like being there for them and just realizing that there's a lot of especially at Woods, like a lot of parents have written these kids off. Right. You know, they send them away to the school. A lot of them just never visit. You know, they they kind of stop contact mm. um, and leave these kids to to kind of grow up. On a, on a campus without, without any like, you know, family. And, um, and so you become their family, you know, the, right. the, the teachers, the other staff become these kids like family. And, um, and it really, I think helped to build my passion for, for teaching special ed because these are the kids who really need it. They need the extra attention. They need the extra love, you know? Um, and you know, it wasn't always, uh, beautiful i mean right, there's sometimes right. where i've been i've been beat up not beat up but like attempted to beat up yeah. like people like kids will swing on you they'll uh you know they'll get very <laughs> aggressive yeah. but um but it's about getting to know these children you know because yeah. like a lot of times kids have a certain thing that's like all right just don't do that thing you know right, right. and so it's getting to know them it's like oh this kid's gonna love you forever as long as you don't as you aren't too close to them. You know what I mean? Or <laughs> hey, something dude. like that. Right. It's like yeah, not, wear, not don't, wearing, not wearing invade their personal space. Right. Don't wear the color orange or whatever it is. Like that's my son, Daniel, yeah. uh, you know, Daniel, we've known that Daniel has been on the spectrum since he was about, well, we knew when he was young, right. We knew when he was a baby and uh, we got the official diagnosis at, at two years old. And unfortunately there still is, as you know, a stigma that's related to, you know, special, uh, you know, special needs kids or kids who are on the spectrum or any of those things. And, you know, <clears throat> it's, it's wonderful to see, that there's a lot of inclusivity nowadays inside of, you know, the schooling, but it's also like, it, it really is almost like the key to that is making sure you're just following what they're telling you to do. They may not be able to tell you it, but as soon as you know it, it's like, that's all you have to do is, is follow that. But it, it definitely, I think that's a, that's another um, misnomer too, in some aspects is people saying, oh, well, you know, everything is sunshine and rainbows. And, and there are some days that are really hard, man. You know, oh, there are yeah. some days that are very, very difficult, but um, no, I just, I wanted to chat with you a little bit about that. And then you moved to Phoenix, Arizona, um, and you were yes. a middle school, uh, teacher. So tell me about that transition, uh, before we start um, talking about music. Well, yeah. When I first got to Phoenix, um, the opening at the, uh, the middle school I went to was for a special needs class. So I wound up teaching again, teaching, um, a sped group that was smaller class size. I had like an assistant with me, but what I learned most about that teaching within a school district is that 
we would have meetings every week, like special ed, like staff meetings. And then you would find out that the laws were changing so fast, you know, mm. at this time, a lot of people were still learning, yeah. you know, all the things that we know now. So seeing it happen in real time where they're like, Hey, um, this thing that we were doing last week is not okay. Like it's not legal anymore. Like, right. or things like that. Like it's just not, a, it's not the way to reach kids. So every week we would have to meet and talk and document results because we were almost building, you know, a curriculum in real time. Right. Because we just didn't know as much as we do now, you know, and we're still learning. Yeah. So it's really interesting to, to go through that and see that these, uh, you know, laws, parameters, everything. Some of them were just like, all right, well, this doesn't work. Let's not do it. The other ones were like, oh, you can get sued if you do this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's serious litigation that'll happen if we do this. We want to stay as far away from this as possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So <laughs> seeing that happen in real time was was um, interesting, to say the least. And also it made it a little like having that extra thing in the back of your mind was kind of tough yeah. for me. So uh, just being able to like you just want to be the best teacher you can be yeah. without thinking about all these other things that are happening. And it's like it's really difficult. But um, but I really enjoyed it. And I, but at the same time, music was kind of working out for me. And uh, and then I took the leap. Yep. And uh, here I am. I was going to say, it seemed, taking the leap has working out, worked out for you, but I'm a lifelong hip hop fan as well. I want to know, can, and I always tell, I tell everybody that I meet the same story the first time I discovered hip hop. Um, and I want to know your story about this, the discovery of hip hop. What was the genesis for you that made you want to do that, make that music for the rest of your life? Man, um, I think... Uh, I wrote a, I wrote a couple different stories in my book, but I think that the most um, like the most powerful meeting for me in hip hop was um, "It Takes Two by Rob Bass and uh, DJ Easy Rock, yes. which like took over the summer for yep. whatever year that came out, maybe eighty nine, ninety or something like mm-hmm. that. Completely took over and was everywhere we went. I would just keep hearing that beat. Woo, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, yep. what is this? And like, and I remember there was a guy who carried like the ghetto blaster boom box on yep. my street, yep. Raymond, and he would walk up and down my block playing this song on repeat on his cassette player. And I was just like, man, the way I feel when I hear this, yep. I want to, I want to, I got to be a part of this, you know? So honestly it was, it was that like just knowing what the beats could do to you. And, um, and from there, you know, moving on into the nineties, it was a 93. I always kind of call a kind of second golden age. People call 88, 89, a golden age. But, um, 93, you had, you know, Wu-Tang Clan, Snoop Dogg, uh, Tribe Called Quest. Like there was Nas, there was so much great stuff happening at the same time. And, um, I just had to be a part of it. So we grabbed all of our friends and we sat on the stoop and we were like, everybody write a rap right now. <laughs> we're just like, oh, okay. So we sure. all just tried to write. And, um, and I was, I was the worst of the crew by far. I was not, it wasn't for me, but, and, um, but wanting to be as good as my friends is what made me keep working at it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I bought a little, um, four track recorder. And um, we'd write a song together and then we'd go our separate ways. The next day I'd come knocking on the door like, look, I got a new song. I got a new rap. I got a new rap. Listen, I got a new rap. And they're like, all right, man, like relax. Like they, they weren't even as serious about it as I was, but I just wanted to get better. Like we were using our vocabulary terms and our, and our songs. We were 
total nerds. Yeah. But like trying to make the best song we can make. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I just wanted to be as good as those guys because they kind of pushed me. And so, you know, that's that's where hip hop came, like where I fully fell in love with it was in the 90s for sure. And that's sort of the same for me as well. I remember it was 1995. It was the summer I turned 10 years old and it was mm-hmm. Bone Thugs and Harmony. It was the E1999 mm-hmm. Eternal album. First of the month, because I, you know, I had been aware of, of, of Tupac and, and the West Coast sound, Dr. Dre and, and, and Snoop Dogg, you know, watching MTV and things. But I think it was first of the month, that record, because we were in my grandmother's basement in Prospect Park in Delaware County. My cousin Ryan, who was a couple years older than me, had the record, which we weren't allowed to listen to, but we did anyway on the big, you know, the big stereo in the basement. And I was like, I'm hooked, man. I'm hooked for life. Right. So that was like, it became like, then I discovered Nas and I discovered Gangstar and I discovered all these different sounds and all these different things. Big pun is one of my favorite MCs of all time. And like the first time I heard capital punishment, you know, like, or what's the record he did with, uh, it was fat Joe, cool G rap and be real. I walk on water, spit fire and shit Hagen dazs That's, um, what's that one? Like, uh, like the first time I, the first time I heard that I was like, holy shit. Like how, like, I can't believe I'm listening to somebody like do this. And it's just, you know, right. it's incredible. And it's just, <laughs> you know, it became a passion for me, but I know that, that your sound is, is your, what, what they call it. It's a, like, there's uh, the, the nerdcore rap and the chip tune, you're a chip tune DJ for those who may not be familiar, who are listening to the show and maybe discovering your music for the first time. Can you explain what chiptune is and how you got started in that? Wow. Uh, Chiptune is technically it's using the original sounds that were used for a lot of our favorite 8-bit and 16-bit video games. And then so what I did was take a lot of those sounds, sample them, reprocess them and make beats out of them and then do rap on top of that. Right. So it was me combining my love for video games, comic books, nerdy culture stuff with my love for, you know, classic golden era hip hop. And so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I say it's like red man meets like final fantasy, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like taking, taking those, those cool things that we loved about each of those things. Like, like our favorite artists would sample from funk, soul, jazz, James Brown. And, uh, and so in that sense, we borrow from video games of the past, much like they did with their favorite stuff or maybe with their parents' favorite music yeah. and things like that. So that's what it is for me. Um, I love hip hop. Like it's, it's something that has definitely changed my life in so many different ways. And so I wanted to bring something a little different to it. You know, and when I later in life started seeing guys like uh, Lupe Fiasco and things like that, where I was like, oh, now we can see what rap can be. Right. Because, you know, back for a long time growing up in Philly, you had to be the tough guy to make rap music. You got to make music about being tough, being cool. What about when you're not the cool guy? You know, and so that's where a lot of my music has kind of come from that that side of things where it's like, yes, I grew up in a tough neighborhood. However, I didn't have to be that or put on this put on airs, but I could be myself and still make music that hopefully people will relate to. And and luckily they have, you know, I've just been able to put my fandoms into my music. And uh, and now, like, you know, there's tons of people who can who can relate to it and understand it, which is really, really dope to see. I think that's that's the that's the 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 goal of every artist though is to just to relate to someone who's listening to the music. You know, it, there's there's so especially like you said with hip hop and and all types of music. Like there's so many different 
tentacles that come from it, right? And there's so many different things that you can find. So maybe Big Pun isn't isn't what you want to listen to today, but I'm going to find that Mega Rand record and I really want to listen to that because that's where I'm at, right? Now, I know another connective, another piece of connective tissue we have is the love of professional wrestling. Um, and again, I guess from the genesis of that, where did your love of professional wrestling start? Was there a match? Was there a time? What was it? It was the Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, being being in Philly, it was, you know, like such a big wrestling town growing up. I mean, it's Spectrum in the Civic Center and there was always events going on. And, um, and so even when we didn't have an event, like when the first few manias were in Atlantic City, um, they would do closed circuit TV viewings at the spectrum. And um, I guess it was, was it Mania 4 when Savage won the title in the tournament? Yes. Yep. Um, okay. So they, they showed that at the spectrum and um, and we just got there and watched it on the big screen. So we're just sitting up looking like this, <laughs> watching it. <laughs> because we're like, just, and, and I was so into it. And they sold merch there too. So mm. I got like the Macho Man foam fingers. <laughs> and I just clearly remember like brooding for Savage the whole time and uh, and riding the subway back home being like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that for me was one of my, one of my earliest wrestling moments, you know, just, I mean, Saturday mornings, it was wrestling challenge. It was rock and wrestling. Yep. All that stuff, man, was, was a big part of my upbringing. It's, 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 I always, anytime I talk to any wrestling fan from Philly, I always ask about the spectrum matches. Cause that's one of my, one of my like core memories in my brain is going to the spectrum. It was 1993 and it was mm-hmm. Razor Ramon versus Macho Man Randy Savage. I believe it was for the Intercontinental Championship because I think Hogan was champion at the time. And mm. that was the main event. And I will never forget. I mean, we were up in the, you know, higher up seats, but the whole, you know, Razor Ramon was like still to this day, like top five, right? My favorite yeah. you know, performers of all time. And getting to see him wrestle with the Macho Man, you know, I was just like, oh my God. Like I can literally see little eight-year-old me just standing at the 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 freaking stands there just watching and just being in awe of this guy. So, um, yeah, just, and it's hard to explain to people when they don't have the knowledge of the spectrum or how important it was to WWE at the time. It's hard to oversell how cool it was to be involved, even if it, you know, 93 or 83, whenever it was, how important those matches were. Um, and you've been able to kind of parlay, the wrestling love and the music love into working in professional wrestling. And I understand that you did the, uh, the theme music for Xavier Woods after he won the King of the ring. Tell me about that process, writing that song. What was, what was that like? Oh man, that was insane. I things just, just an example of how, how fast things move in WWE. Um, I got a call from Xavier. I think, I think I was just, I don't know. I was so excited when he won it, but they, I remember he won the King of the ring and like, in Saudi. So it was like a different time schedule. Everything was all over the place. And, um, and I'm just like, yeah, I was so excited. Like I remember being on tour. I was at a hotel. So I was like checking out of the hotel, but I had my phone on watching the, watching the match while I'm checking out. Like, yeah, okay. And he won (laughs) and I was so excited. And, um, and then I turned it off. I was like, all right, I got to get going. We had to drive somewhere. Uh, and then right after that, I got a call from him and he was like, Hey, so, um, I think they want to do new music. And I was like, Oh man, that's really cool. Like who, who are you going to get? Like, what are you going to do, man? And, uh, he's like, I was thinking you could write some music and I'm like, what? 
get out of here. <laughs> and um, I believe that was on a Saturday. So uh, they were like, yeah, we kind of need to buy SmackDown. And SmackDown is Friday. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay, I'll see what I can do. And I'm on the road. So I'm like, oh man, I don't know. I don't know how much I can do this, but I will never say no. I've learned one thing that you have to be, um, a mentor of mine always told me, he said, you gotta be, you gotta be a yes man. And I was like, what's that mean? He's like, you gotta say yes. Like you, nobody wants somebody around him. was like, I don't know how to do that. I, I can't do it. I can't help you. No, you gotta say yes, I'll get it done. And, uh, when an opportunity like that comes, you gotta get it done. So I start writing down some sketches and things. I get home maybe that Tuesday. I get an, e- I have an email in my inbox from a WWE music guy who's like, yeah, you think you can get this done in like a day and a half? And I'm like, oh man, absolutely. <laughs> so we start writing and, um, and I thought it would be a really cool, um, uh, like a, a bit of an homage to Xavier because um, he told me about this, this rapper that he had just met named Sazy, who was one of his favorites. So I said, well, what if we get Sazy to do part of the, the hook too? I was like, all right, I think this would be cool. So I go to the studio every Wednesday. Like that's just my, my studio time where even if I don't have something to do, I'm sitting down, just listening to the beats, writing, whatever. Um, so Wednesday I recorded my part and then I sent the other parts off to Sazy. Like, Hey, if you could get this done, like real fast, <laughs> I think they want to use it real soon. And, um, I he did it. Came back Thursday. That was done. Um, the, Maybe Friday morning, the uh, WWE guy is like, yeah, you need to sign this this contract or whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, and I was like, all right. And then sure enough, it was on TV that night. And wow. like, it was just insane how, how fast stuff moves in that company, you know? Because it's like, man, didn't you guys plan this? Like, <laughs> did, do we know already? Like, come on. Like, somebody, maybe they didn't know. Somebody couldn't have reached out maybe a couple weeks in advance. I could have had this done a yeah, little bit earlier. Yeah, we could have done this. Yeah, that's it, a, how quite a spoiler. They want me to leak it to the dirt sheets, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so how dope is that to hear your own music, though? Because, I mean, I'm sure it's cool to hear it, like, on, on Spotify and on the radio and things like that, but what is that like to hear your, your music on SmackDown of all places? You know, it's unreal. It's unreal. Like I've been watching wrestling my entire life, never thinking I would be a part of the show, you know, like that's insane to me. Like, um, a couple years ago, we, I had a chance to be on stage, like in the ring for a, um, a segment where the new day in the Usos did a rap battle. Yes. And, um, and it was hilarious and it was awesome, but they brought me in like kind of early to kind of, kind of assist them with some writing stuff and just like give them some tips on how to deliver a few things. And, um, and that was really fun. I got to walk the aisle. I got to get in the ring. We got to like really just have fun. And, um, that was a blast. I was in there with a lot of guys who were, you know, kind of indie indie like heroes now like um alex hammerstone was in there uh, a few other guys so i really loved doing it and then like so that gave me my first taste where i was like oh man uh, i'm kind of hooked i need to figure out a way to get get involved with this more so so now i just started writing songs and it's like oh well what would a song what would an interest theme sound like for this person or that person so so now i kind of do that in my in my spare time where i just write songs now that maybe it could sound like entrance themes or maybe like pay-per-view themes, things like that. And, um, and I've been lucky enough that a few of these have been, been used by um, a few companies, AEW, uh, ROH, um, and WWE. So, um, 
yeah, it's been pretty wild. Like I, I never would have imagined that being a fan of this forever to to be a part of it like that is just it's just wild. You know, hold on to those dreams, kids. <laughs> Anything can happen. <laughs> always bet on yourself. That's my thing. You do the you take the Cody Rhodes approach. You always bet on yourself, and you're always you're bound to win. May not happen right away, but it's gonna happen. So, uh, before always. we before we get into the more of the wrestling talk and more current stuff, because I have some questions about the Rumble, and of course, I want to talk about uh, you know the Rock uh, coming back and the potential mm-hmm. WrestleMania plans. When you're in the studio. Do you have a process that you do when you write, like, or you know, because I know you said Wednesdays are your are your studio time. Um, what's your process like when you write and when you create music? Do you have anything special that you do? Is it just you getting in there and vibing with the music? Like, what's it? What's it? What's the process like for you? Mm, well, I usually order some food. I get like my favorite meal. Um, it's usually this uh, amazing Vietnamese spot. Uh, so I'll get like a bon mi sandwich or something and, and just kind of vibe out. Like that's, that's me. That Those are my, um, that's all I need. Me and the engineer. And sometimes we just talk for an hour before I even write or record anything, you know, it's just getting me into the right headspace to create, you know? And so I really enjoy that. And there's not a lot of folks that I do have a good amount of folks around me that are, musicians or that kind of understand where I can talk to them about, Oh, well the mix on here and the, you know, the EQ is this and that, you know, so I can, I can actually talk tech a little bit and talk shop with them and we can, we can have a really good conversation that gets me into a good headspace. And then I start writing, you know, um, it's, it's really helped me a lot having that, you know, that time where, where it's like, no matter what, no matter the day, no matter what I'm going through, this is the time that I'm going to spend working on music, you know? So treating it like a job, I know has really helped me for sure, because I think creation is almost the opposite, you know, where it's like, Oh, you just want to create whenever you're inspired. Well, maybe, but you know, I'm a father and a husband. I can't just be like, Oh, two in the morning. uh, Here it goes. Like, sorry, I'm time to create, you know? So you still got to be considerate to your other duties. So I like having a specific time to create and, uh, and a specific person to do that with. So I got to shout out my engineer Felix cause he's awesome. <laughs> and I think that's too, that's, that is the key. It's like, there's a, there's a dance that goes along with making the music. I've dabbled in, you know, in, in hip hop music myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know some of the, the fundamentals, you know, I don't rap, I connect people together. Uh, I'm friends mm-hmm. with some of the guys from the Brown bag all-stars up in New York. And, um, nice. we did a bunch of records together and you, and you mentioned about some of the different lyrics, you know, and, and connecting with, different worlds. And the one that sticks out to me all the time is the one Solcon spit on tri-state mind state, which is a record we did. Um, got a killer instinct. So I'm off to pick orchids. And right away I was like, I understood that reference. Like, thank you for speaking to me in a way that like nobody else could. Right. But I say that to say like talking shop with people, it's, it's unique. Like there's a unique language that goes along with that. And when you find that right person, you find the person that you can dance with in that regard. I think that takes the music and the creativity to the next level. So it's amazing that you have that process and you're able to continue to create in that level. But uh, I wanted to talk to you because we're both going to be down in Tampa. This, as you're listening to this, is Tuesday. We'll be in Tampa together on Friday uh, at the Battle Rumble, which we're going to plug in a minute. But I need to know, sir, I want to just get your opinion on who you think is going to go over in this year's Royal Rumble in both the men's and the women's match. I want to know your take. Man... (laughs) I, I can't call it like this yeah. year feels more unpredictable than ever. For the most part in previous years, it's like 
there's like two or three guys or girls where you're like, all right, these are the people. And anyone outside of that would be a total shocker. But man, like, I don't know, dude. I think, okay, I will just say, I don't think it's going to be Cody. I will say that. I, I think that Cody's story is on hold, you know, uh, and I, I understand it. You know, I think that we just got bigger, bigger things going on. I mean, you don't get Dwayne to come off the mountain very often. And, and when Dwayne is interested in working, you let him work. So, uh, so Cody should understand. Um, so I think it's later for Cody, but, um, Man, I don't know. Like, I, I, I wish I could think about it in like a fan's mindset, like I yeah. used to. Now I kind of know so much, and it's like, right. ah, man, we know this happens and this happens, and yeah. you know, we know <laughs> what's gonna make the most money yep. at the show. You know, yep. it, it's it, it makes it makes predicting kind of hard for me because I'm always like, well, uh, you know, this is the more this is the better matchup, and this is the you know, <laughs> um, you know, it makes me kind of get real smarky about it, and yeah. like I don't I don't like that part of myself, but um, <laughs> well. Actually- Actually, you know, Dwayne's uh, gate entrance and things like, oh, I don't want to be like this again. I don't want to do this. Yeah, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I just want to enjoy myself, man. Yeah. Um, Man, you know what? I want to see. I don't know if it'll happen, but I want to see Gunther Mm. win it. And uh, or I saw somebody say something crazy that, you know, you know, comment sections go, go wild. But. Apparently Seth Rollins had an injury yes. this past week. And someone said, why don't, what if they make the rumble for Seth's title? Mm. And I said, hmm. Interesting. Now I'm kind of, I'm listening. That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Like if, if it's a thing that will keep Seth out, then why not like make the rumble for his title? And I thought, hmm, hmm, Okay. That's actually not a bad idea because if you put Gunter over in the Rumble, you're still protecting him. He gives up the Intercontinental title and then gets the big gold belt 2.0 and then runs crazy with that. That would be that would be interesting, especially at the leg. I mean, the leg injury apparently is legitimate from the match with Jinder. So I'd be curious yeah. to see how that would go. I, I don't I don't disagree with you with the men's Rumble. I think uh, unfortunately, Pastor Cody's story is going to be on hold for a little bit longer. I, I, I'm curious, though. Do you, as I know, there's been a lot of like talk about, you know, The Rock potentially do main eventing the Elimination Chamber. What's your take on that? Do you think they they push Rock and Roman at, in, in Australia for the big stadium show? Or do you think they hold it for night two uh, in Philadelphia? I can't, I can't see why they would do that. Like, I can't think yeah. of one good reason to do that there. Um, it's it's an Australian pay-per-view, which is going to sell out anyway. Like, it's a huge deal that right. they're even in Australia. So I don't think it's going to affect any sort of record-breaking numbers to do it there. Um, I think if you get The Rock, you got to you gotta put him in Mania. Like, yeah. why would you not do that? Um, I think that's a night two thing, for sure. Like, if... Yeah, I think uh, that's that would only make sense to me if, let's say, Cody wins, and then you get Cody versus Roman night one, and then The Rock shows up at the end, like, I'll see you tomorrow, you know? Right, right. Something like that would be cool. But, uh, nah, I, I, I don't I don't think that's the, the time to do that match. Not at all. No. Mm-mm. Even if it was like a Saudi pay-per-view, I'd be like, all right, well, those are big money. So, right. maybe. Yeah, they're going to throw millions but of that, dollars at The Rock to do this match in Saudi Arabia. Like, okay, I could see them doing this then, but... 
Australia. Right, but not Australia. And like, no disrespect to Australia, but, you know, it's going to be an amazing, you know, sellout hype crowd event, you know, regardless. So I don't think you need to do it there. What about the women's rumble? What do you think? Who do you think is going to, who do you think is going to take that, that one? You know, it's funny. Like they, they haven't really talked about it until like Becky had this moment this week, which made me like, Oh yeah. You know, and I love that WWE is so good at keeping people apart. For, for long enough, then you then when they're together, you're like, hey, I haven't seen this, you know? Yeah. And and Becky and Rhea, you're like, oh, I haven't seen this. <laughs> you're like, they've been there the whole time, yep. but we have not seen this. So uh, so I think that instantly makes Becky the, the favorite. And that's just a matchup that I want to see. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I wouldn't be mad at that or or Bianca, to be honest. I think I think Bianca and Rhea would would also be another huge mania match. So those are my two picks. I I I'm kind of leaning in the Bailey camp. I feel like the damage control story is going to be a big player as we head into WrestleMania season. I think she's going to end up with EO Sky. I have a feeling that Sasha Banks shows up uh, at the Rumble. Mm. I don't know for sure. I just have that that strange pit in, in my gut feeling like yeah she's going to be there. Uh, and then one last question before we promote the Battle Rumble and before we get into the rapid fire questions, MJF, there's rumor and innuendo his actual contract's up. He may be showing up at the Rumble. What's your take on MJF's potential Rumble appearance? I don't think so. Um, I think that's baloney, my friend. It's malarkey, um, sir. Malarkey. It's malarkey. It's poppycock. I think <laughs> I, I think MJF is locked up. And like, yeah. and if he's not, that would be the biggest mistake. And this is from a company that's lost Cody and CM Punk. This would be the yeah. biggest mistake. Yes. Because this is their homegrown star that they that they would let walk. Like that is insane. Right. Um also the idea of MJF and WWE doesn't really entice me. Mm. You know, he mm. can't really cut promos the way we're used to. He can't really be the scumbag that we're used to in, in a family-friendly organization. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't think it'll happen, but I don't think it should happen either. Like I think he's right where he needs to be. I yeah. think AEW is the best place that there's the only place that really could have built him. You know, mm-hmm. and and I think it's the best place for him to be. I agree. I think, um, and I've, I've had this conversation with a couple of folks. Like, I I could definitely see MJF being a contender down the line. I think mm-hmm. the difference is with this, and I took a little bit of heat for it when I said it. You know, among some of my peer groups, but it's like MJF, the character now doesn't fit within the mold of WWE. He's going to have to change what he does. He can't go out there and, and, and call, you know, people fatties and, and say bullshit on TV. Like that's just not how it works, right? Like you have right. to be able to amend what you're doing for a broader audience. Do I think he can do it? Absolutely. But I think there's going to be time for him to do that. He's also young, right? He's 27, 28 years he's old. He's got a, he's got time ahead of him to really fine tune that character. Plus I want to see him tie up the devil storyline. Cause there's got to be payback with that in Samoa Joe. So I'm curious to see, where it goes. I'm in, in camp with you though, as well. I, I don't see MJF showing up at the rumble. I think that would be, if he hasn't locked him up already, he will be doing so shortly. And I just think that would be a, a massive mistake on Tony Khan's part, but what's not going to be a massive mistake, sir, is people coming out to see you in Tampa at the battle rumble. Tell everybody where they can get tickets to this. Tell us about the event. And I want you to plug it here so everyone can come out and see us. Oh man. The battle rumble is a night of hip hop and wrestling. 
by fans of both. Um, it's we've got teamed up with a bunch of great people in Tampa and beyond and have put together this extravaganza. We're going to have battle rap. We're going to have live performances. We're going to have meet and greets. We're going to have special merch and giveaways. Uh, there's going to be beat battles, mm. all types of things happening throughout throughout the night. And um, it's an all night event going from six to midnight, maybe even later. Who knows? We are, we're going to be partying all night in Tampa. Um, <laughs> and we got a bunch, this was kind of the brainchild of a bunch of people at the same time. Like we were already thinking a lot of these ideas and then we met each other and we're like, Oh, well let's go. So, um, AJ Francis, um, DNA, the battle rapper, uh, Kazim who works with Wally mania. We were all already talking about doing something. And, uh, and I was like, well, I already got a, I got a venue like booked already. And they're like, oh, let's go say less. So (laughs) that's how it all came together. And it's just been, you know, so fun putting this together. And um, man, we're going to have special guests. I mean, what's a wrestling event without a special run-ins and uh, and top secret uh, things happening. So um, yeah, it's going to be awesome, man. We got live performances. We got some of your favorite wrestler rappers performing. uh, Leo Rush, AJ Francis, Max Caster, um, a few others. Swerve was supposed to be there, but he just got um, signed on for the Jericho cruise. So he won't be able to make it. But cards subject to change. You know how we do. So there will be some special guest replacements, but you just got to be there to find out. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a really fun show. Uh, so come on out and meet your favorites and see a show while you're at it. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. I'll be there. Friends of the show, Cameron Hawkins and Adrian Hernandez will be there as well. Come and say hi. <laughs> Tickets are still available. You can go to uh, Mega Rand's social media pages on Twitter. Cause I'm never going to, never going to call it X. So please don't ask me to friends. And also on Instagram, uh, you can go and find out the information there. It's Battle Rumble, and it's Friday night, correct? That is the 26th of January, correct? Correct. Got January 26th, Tampa, Florida at the Crowbar, the day before the Royal Rumble. So if you get in early and you want something to do that evening, we got you covered. And I am looking forward to seeing you and meeting you in person, sir. We're going to take a, a bunch of selfies as well, some some posts for the gram, as the kids say. I don't know if they do. Absolutely. But anyway, but, but my last thing, like, I really appreciate you being on the show today. Uh, and anytime I have a first-time guest on the show, um, I ask a bunch of rapid-fire questions about pro wrestling. So if you would entertain me, sir, I have a couple of questions for you when you're ready to start. I'm ready. Let's go. All-time favorite wrestling match? Savage Steamboat. Solid answer. Solid answer. <laughs> Favorite WrestleMania? Ooh. Ooh. Favorite WrestleMania is tough. Um, gosh, what is my favorite WrestleMania? Uh, 25 was pretty hype. I'll say 25. <laughs> the worst match of all time. <laughs> the worst match of all time. Mm-hmm. There's always one that oh pops my. into my head and I made somebody watch and he was like, yeah, that was, that's right. Wow. I don't think I've ever even given that a lot of thought. Um, worst match of all time. Gosh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> my go-to is if it helps my, my go-to is always kennel from hell. And oh not, God. Not because of Al Snow or Big Boss Man's, you know, physical work, just the execution of the match itself was. 
there was some pretty bad stuff in the Attitude Era. Um, <laughs> Let's you know, call, I was thinking, call it. I was thinking, what was it? Um, Undertaker and Boss Man's Hell in a Cell, where he like lynched them. Yes, like that was a bit much. Like I didn't need to see that. <laughs> I so, remember watching yeah. that and being like, "The fuck is going? On? <laughs> what is, what is this like, shit? Who, I didn't it's ask one for of those this." Times. One of those times where you don't want your parents to walk in on you watching, like, what the hell are you watching in here? Is that like, man being hung from the rafters? Like, no, wait, no, he's, he's Satan. Wait, oh, damn it, this is worse. Yeah. Um. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the kennel from hell was pretty bad. Yep. Uh, here's another one, another bad one. Worst gimmick of all time. Oh, I'm going to say Repo Man. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> Favorite wrestling angle. Favorite wrestling angle. It's got to be Savage and Hogan and Miss mm. Elizabeth. Mega powers. You know, yeah. The mega powers, you know, crumbling, I think is, is a, such a, like, because it was such long-term, you know, storytelling yep. that like took years to get through. And you were like, oh, but look at this little moment where he touches Miss Elizabeth on the back. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then you can go back to those moments. Like that's, that's just, ah. Beautiful storytelling. <laughs> Biggest missed opportunity in professional wrestling. Uh, not putting all the belts on Shelton Benjamin. <laughs> That's that is the right answer, sir. That's the right answer. No one ever, no one, no one gives Shelton Benjamin enough credit in the ring. But I think I definitely think they missed an opportunity there with him, at least for a good proper sure. like big gold belt run. Um, oh yeah, yeah. He could have I, easily, and then especially too. I think after watching him with you know the hurt business. He had everything. I can go on about the hurt business because they were fantastic, and I don't know why they stopped doing oh, it. But so good. in any um, event, just God, why did they? How did they? I drop heard that Jr. Ball? say that he he said that he said that was the biggest drop ball. He said we were we kind of wrote him off because they didn't we didn't think he could talk, and we really shouldn't have done that. Yeah, and again, like you you like how many years later he's doing these amazing things in the ring, and you're like, how did you guys? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Seth Rollins or Kenny Omega. Ah, I'm going to say Kenny Omega because he's a video game player. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to see those two go at it, though. Oh, my God. That would be an incredible match. I'm still waiting for his. I feel like eventually Omega will show up in WWE, even if it's just for a one off period where he does a WrestleMania run in Uh, WWE AEW crossover. Does it ever happen? WCW, and we're talking pre-Russo at the NWO height or ECW. You mean like Paul Heyman's ECW? Yes, not South Philly. Philly ECW. Yeah, South Philly, like Bingo Hall, 2300 okay. Arena. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, ECW all day. Yeah, uh, that's the Philly in us. That's the answer I always give to. Yeah, and yep. NWO or DX. DX. And the last question, Sting and The Undertaker finally face off. Who goes over? I think Undertaker has to go over. Yeah. Um, just, you know, especially if it happened like a WrestleMania, I feel like I feel like it's got to be Taker. Yeah. But, man, I'd love to see it. 
Even, I'd love to see it. Even the face-off now, even if we just got a face-off in the ring after he retires, I'm good with that. So, Megan, oh, that would be great. Megan Rand, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. This has been an absolute pleasure. I'm looking forward to seeing you in Tampa and having you yes. back on the show. Where can everybody keep up to date on everything you have going on on your socials? Ah, oh, thank you. Um, I got socials where uh, you can get me at Mega Ran on Twitter. You can get me at Mega underscore Ran on Instagram. Uh, MegaRan.com has all my tour dates and things like that. We just announced a tour. I'm going to Morocco next Ooh. month, so I'm really excited about that. Um, and then going on a cruise with Kevin Smith. It's going to be a lot of, a lot of interesting, exciting things in Mega Ran land <laughs> going on right now. So, um, so yeah, you can keep up with all that at Mega Ran. Anywhere you get fine social media updates. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time as always. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on this episode here because I'm branding out on YouTube as well. Uh, don't forget to leave us a five-star review, and I will see you at the Royal Rumble this week as well. My name is Adam Bernard. Peace. Foundation Radio is hosted, recorded, and produced by Adam Bernard. Additional narration and production is provided by the executive voice, Sam Kreps. Our mixing and engineering was done by Carl Pinnell. Our intro and outro music is performed by Dumb Ugly. Additional musical accompaniment is performed and produced by Enrichment. Our cover art photography was done by Dylan Edinger. Follow Adam on Instagram and Twitter, or X or whatever, at This Is Goober, and follow the show on Twitter, again, not calling it X, at FND Radio Pod. Find the entire show archive at foundationradio.net. This has been a Butts Carlton Media Production, Butts Carlton Proprietor. That doesn't work for me, brother. Peace, Carl!